0: This is Hope FM,
1: and welcome, as I say, to the program. And I'm in wonderful company today. I've got two lovely ladies who are going to attempt to keep me on the on the straight uh, and narrow. So, first of all, uh, Rachel, tell me we, something about your faith journey. How, how did you become a Christian? Was it was it recently or a long time ago?
2: Um, a long time ago. So, my family um, actually became homeless, and hmm. we lost our shop that we ran and we became bankrupt and at that point my parents um felt they had nothing to lose. Where could they go? And someone invited them to church. Uh, this was when I was about 12 and we went along to church. It was a charismatic church. I'd only ever been in a Methodist so, so church. So a bit of a lively one then. Very lively. Yeah. People were wearing jeans. Not all the old adults had hats on. I didn't know quite what was going on. Um, but there was something about it that made us keep going back and going back. And uh, within a few months, all of, my whole family gave our lives to Jesus and have been following ever since
1: well that was that was transformation then absolutely f- was. so you were twelve then were you?
2: yes, yeah. so what
1: was it like as a twelve year old then growing up in a well a pretty lively church obviously
2: <laughs> it was it was wonderful. I made some amazing friends um role models that I still look to now um who just spoke into my life in amazing ways um and i'm I'm just feel very grateful that I was able to be in a church that believed in the Holy Spirit and we just saw incredible healings we saw Signs, wonders, all of that kind of thing. Um, there was life.
1: It's very good that you were very quickly introduced to that as a child. I was brought up in a very traditional Presbyterian church in Ireland. They did actually preach the gospel, not so much about the Holy Spirit. It was a bit later on that I discovered about him. But I think that one of the things that's made me realize that some of us as Christians are, I think we're not very well birthed, you know, and I Mm -hmm. guess if we're not taught right at the beginning in those early formative stages, it it can sort of confuse you. You know, yes. in in your Christian development, do you, in,
2: yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's been in my formative years of becoming a Christian yeah. and knowing Jesus. Well, it's always been there.
1: One of the things that excites me actually is that um, you know Jesus said that we would do this same as He did, and even greater things. But you don't think of children as doing those things. We're not sure children can pray. Pray, and we should be encouraging them to pray and see the sick healed and even mm-hmm. the dead raised. Uh, everything that Jesus did our children actually can do and I've been it's something really because I have had four children it's just something, something that's suddenly struck me really that it's not just the way we are brought up but it's the way that we bring our our own children up definitely yeah yes. Sophie what about what about you what was your journey like
0: <laughs> um I was brought up in oh sorry I was brought up in um, a Christian home um but I was a bit embarrassed by it and when I left Um, At 18, Mm -hmm. I was desperate to become what I called nominal, which was basically still believing in God, but
1: not letting. You wanted to be a party girl, didn't you?
0: Sort of, in a kind of very boring kind of way. Um, I remember staying. (laughs) I remember (laughs) I remember staying up all night knitting and somebody going what
1: <laughs> <laughs> well knitting is a real skill you know well
0: yes so I wasn't I, I, I wasn't very good at um, rebelling but mm. my heart was very much I don't want this to affect my life my parents are embarrassing me because they're charismatics too um, are they
1: the lively lot as well
0: yes mm. um, and um, but I had a miserable first year that uh, first year at university without God Um and um and found I didn't get on with anybody and the only person I did get in on with um decided that I was suffocating them and told me so and that was so
1: discouraging
0: oh oh the rejection it I remember f- throwing up sorry with the no. with with the with the, re- with, the re- with the misery of it anyway i um it was then that I started, because it was in my DNA, um, I started saying, God help. And I learned the help prayer. It was the, my, you know, <laughs> four, <laughs> four letters, God help. And every, every time I learned that he would respond within five minutes to my help prayer, um, somebody would cut. I had a better last six weeks of that year. That last six weeks was better than the whole year put together. People came round. I, I met. You know, um, I had one of my friends wrote to me. My school friends wrote to me and said, "Oh, by the way, I should tell you, I've become a Christian too." Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was. And 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 I realised that that basically God puts colour into your life, and that I've been looking for colour, and. It was yes, and I found. I I think that's when I found God for myself. I'd been I'd been aware of Him. I'd had some relationship, but that was when I realised that it was all or nothing.
1: Of course, it's really important that we all find God for ourselves, and we find him in very different, our roads are very different. It always used to amuse me, like, you know the story in the Bible where Jesus healed Jairus's daughter? Well, she was raised from the dead. And Jesus told everybody who was observing that she's only sleeping, yeah. uh, but then they thought he was nuts, you know. But of course, that she was raised from the dead. He said, child, arise, and she rose. But the thing that then struck me was that he then said, now, don't you be telling anybody about this? Can you imagine if you were the mother or the father, <laughs> yes. if you were Jarvis and Mrs. Jarvis I mean, uh, and I used to think, well, why, 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 why not tell them, you know? And in fact, it wasn't the first time that Jesus had told people that. And of course, then the penny suddenly dropped, actually. Well, A, was it his, he wasn't ready to go on a public platform. But also he is linked to this wanting wanting people to know him, to discover him for themselves and I guess that you, you're you're both of your faiths are stronger because you've definitely. you've had your own walks haven't you yeah
0: definitely
1: now of course it's all been perfect then been, <laughs> so for you as 12 never any problems and then for you just a wee bit older at 18 I think 18, you said yes. never any problems in life <laughs> is, that, is that right
2: I, I wish <laughs> no it's been up and down but I've been very fortunate um I met my husband at 16 and so plane sailing then you know you know we um we've been very fortunate we've got four kids as well um so
1: busy life then rachel
2: very busy um mm. and we've mo- we've had just god intervene in so many different ways where we've felt we were going to be homeless and god's intervened over and over to find a home for us in ways that you wouldn't believe and so it's been an incredible journey of just knowing god's faithfulness over and over again
1: uh, and what about you sophie
0: um Life's definitely not been easy, mm. but it's been very fulfilling. And um, I, I, I was thinking about this. Um, I, th- I, th- I think it can be summed up with uh, summed up. I was single until I was about um, just coming up for thirty, and I remember sitting at a wedding, thinking, "This isn't going to be me, is it, um, God?" And I. Uh, Did you think you were going to be on the shelf, Sophie? I did. I did. Oh, I find I
1: did. that hard to
0: <laughs> That's very lovely of you. Um, but, um, <laughs> and I really, and also I worked in, on a labour ward and I really wanted my own, I really wanted my own children. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was getting on a bit, which I did that. And, <laughs> and I felt God, and I've been getting a bit miserable about that. And I felt God say it. You know, sometimes you hear God so clearly, there's Mm. no doubt, you know, and I felt him just speak into the darkness and go, don't doubt my goodness. And I've always come back to that moment that um, however difficult things get, not to doubt his goodness because... Mm.
1: Yeah, do you find that in the in the challenges that we have, whatever they are, sometimes they are mega challenges, and we think that our world is coming to an end? And I guess for you, Sophie, yeah. that, that the worry of not—your heart says, ours to have children, have yes. a family, wasn't yeah. it? Have somebody to love you?" Yes, uh, and that's a perfectly laudable thing. But then, when—and I guess there's lots of people that they panic a bit. And of course, the, the danger there is that you take it into your own hands, and uh, but. One of the things I think is that our character is more important to God, isn't it? The shaping yeah, yeah. of our character. And of course, we we learn more through the challenges in life and through the difficulties. Wouldn't you say that's true?
2: Definitely. Yes. Yeah, we've in seasons for both of us where we've found just like mm-hmm. that help God prayer. Yes. There's been moments where we've grown the most and, and seen God move.
0: Do you remember when we were setting up? Well, before we thought about setting up Cadence, we were sitting in the middle of covid um and i was on your balcony not quite sure whether i should have walked through your sitting room to get to your balcony because it, of the rules at the time mm, um, oh yeah. mm. and i just had a very painful operation which i won't go into um and and you were stuck in
2: a flat with two bedroom flat two bedroom flat kids. with four children the full lockdown during, yeah. the, during the full oh. lockdown no, no, no no
0: garden. Yeah, and um, and my washing machine—I know it's like it's nothing to compare, uh, but my washing machine had broken uh, f- for the <laughs> third week. Was broken for the third week running, and um, and I'd spent basically twenty minutes whinging, and then I thought, "This is awful. I am so, being so negative. Poor Rachel, and I'm probably one of the few people she's been able to see." <laughs> so I said, I, I said. Let's look for the righteousness and peace in this situation because it says mm-hmm. no discipline or no lesson has been um it's pleasant at it's the time. pleasant at the time, but later it yields a harvest of righteousness and peace. And I said, let's look at the righteousness and peace of the situation. And twenty minutes later, we had um, uh, we had the idea for cadence, which mm-hmm. really felt like a God thing.
1: Mm. But the one thing you must tell us, and that is, there you were worried about having children, having a oh
0: yes, someone,
1: yeah. So how did it happen? How did you meet the man of your dreams?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good. Well, so um I discovered that the I didn't realize this until the timing of this until 2 years later when I was talking to my cousin whose wedding it had been and mm-hmm. I said, "Oh god, spoke to me in that car park at your wedding." <laughs> and he
1: said, as, as he does.
0: And he said that was 2 years ago and I, uh, but we I was on a double date with my husband at the time. <laughs> my new, I wasn't new husband at the time. But um yes, yeah, so the following week um the following week um I walked in I went I went I went to church and I sat in A really depressing sermon um, um, by my now husband about suffering, which is my least favourite subject.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't think it's anybody's popular subject.
0: (laughs) And in my diary, I have a diary entry of that time. And in my diary entry, it says um, uh, church church. Uh, church was okay by which I meant the sermon was very depressing
1: <laughs> yes. but
0: the people afterwards but the people afterwards were very friendly very nice. and the coffee
1: was nice <laughs> <Coming> out, <yes. laughs> yeah. so um,
0: and the week um, and the week after a week after that I'd said I'd said to God I'd said oh I don't want to go to church because I know I'm going to be I depressed know. again? No, oh. not even depressed. Oh, it was like, I know. And it, actually, the lady is now my best friend, one of, one of my best friends. Um, uh, and uh, I, But I know that Karen is going to invite me out of pity. <laughs> 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 and I'm going to be the token single person at her dinner table. <laughs> I, but I felt God say, no, go. And that was the week that Nick came up to me, my husband now, and and said... I'm gonna have. We're gonna get a group of people together to go to the pub. Do you want to come? And I was like, yes. I found the the big group of single people, cool single people in church. (laughs) And um, it turned out he he swears (laughs) that. Um, it was meant to be much bigger, but it turned out to be me, him, and another another person.
1: <laughs> I see. Well, the thought was good, wasn't it? <laughs> and I guess from his point of view, um, I mean, it was very good for him because you know to have a little bit more intimacy.
0: Yes, absolutely. Although I don't think he appreciated it at the time because I had just moved jobs, and um, I just and with it and with it actually country because I'd lived in Scotland until then, and. Um, and so I hadn't spoken to anybody except for the um, a sh- shop assistants for three weeks. And I didn't stop
3: talking,
0: <laughs> which is why I never I didn't it didn't occur to me he was a romantic interest. for years. <laughs>
1: That's the wonderful, uh, amazing grace. There were well, Rachel and Sophie are my very special guests today, and, uh, and we've been hearing uh, really about their early walk uh, and and some of their struggles actually. Uh, but they're both very creative people. And uh, how how did you both discover that that sort of creative streak in you? Was it there at twelve? Was it there in eighteen? And how did it develop, Rachel? You go first.
2: Um, I've always loved writing. So I used to write stories for my friends at school. I would tell my sister stories as we would go to sleep at night. Ooh. Um and so Did you make them up? Make them up, yeah. So I would in secondary school I would be I wrote we were I don't know if you remember point horrors, not very nice stories, but I would write my own and they would get a page a day and they would be like, Oh, what's next? What's happening next? Um because I just loved to create and make my own stories it's just something I've always done
1: and even even um, good that you had your siblings there you know who were yes. uh, who were really hanging on your every next word <laughs> yes uh, you know well, did you like to write i mean was it fiction always
2: yes, always fiction um I've tried to do non fiction but i I find that I want to be a bit more creative and um with it than than probably a non fiction writer would want to read sure
1: and did you did you we were obviously we' talking we're turning the clock back quite a while. Did you then think about possibly having something published?
2: I've always been trying to write a novel, and I think it was um when I had my second... so I've got t- two and two children so I had two and then after my second two were born I needed something to do so I thought I'm going to try and write a novel and I know that I need to get to 70,000 words I'm not going to tell anyone I'm just going to write it. it.
1: And um, what what was what was the subject matter?
2: Uh, that one we actually um, is in my bottom drawer probably not going to be published for a while oh. um, but it was about justice and um, thinking about how socially we are looking for acceptance and It was just looking at if that got made countrywide, what would that look like? How would a society work based on social points
1: rather than money? Did you have any mentors? Because obviously what's really important, I guess, with everything is that you have somebody uh, who has been there, done it with a T-shirt, if you like. Uh, Did you have anybody that really encouraged you, apart from obviously the, uh, uh, the children?
2: um when i was in um doing my a-levels i had a really fantastic teacher who encouraged me and i would say that it's her encouragement even that has carried me through years of working and because um, i had one of my a-level teachers didn't like me so much so having a a-level teacher who did really because she wasn't a christian this other teacher just seemed to understand me more and was very encouraging about anything that i wrote and was um would just say keep trying you can do this you've got this keep going and so that's just always been in the back of my mind as I've been writing okay I can do this I can keep going you don't know what might happen if you mm. could just keep trying.
1: And of course, I mean, Cadence and indeed, I guess, in terms of justice, you are writing from a, the a Christian worldview because you were a Christian. Mm. But some people might struggle with that and think, well, you know, why weren't you writing about Jesus and all the disciples and all those stories? And, but actually, we live in a real world. And uh, uh, did you find any criticism in those early days about, well, this isn't quite Christian enough?
2: Um I've never heard that from anyone, but i don't I try not to say that I'm writing a Christian book yeah. because I want the world to be able to see, okay, I need to think about things a bit differently rather than it being we're forcing you to believe in Jesus. So I don't believe Jesus forces anyone to do anything, and it's more. It's a persuasion, it's a, isn't it? It's, it's
1: a, a discovery. Yeah. A discovery. Yeah, and I guess that's part of the philosophy behind Cadence, isn't yes. it? Which we'll talk about a wee bit later on. Sophie, what about your creative bits then, um, creative streaks?
0: I didn't realise I was creative until I was in my thirties. Um, I had a job in the NHS and... Um, And I'd come to the conclusion that although I'd like to write a novel like many people do, I didn't. I wasn't ever going to have time to do it. And then I had child. uh, And then I had my second child, and I had to stop work. And um, my husband said we went to North Norfolk in the winter in December, (laughs) (laughs) and my husband said, "Why don't you Why don't you write this week?" Um, And I I was surprised. I was basically, to be honest, I was. I fell in love with my word count. I didn't realise I could write so much. It wasn't particularly good quality stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's. I think that set me off. Oh, uh,
1: was that you being the judge of that?
0: No, no. I mean, even um, even at the time, I knew it wasn't great.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I I haven't dared to look at it since. <laughs> 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 but um, but my but actually sue who's our author um she really um she was a great mentor because she'd already been published um at that point and it made me think about doing it properly and learning how to um write a book so that it was well paced and 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 um people actually wanted to read it rather than rather than just my mum um
2: um, yes so.
1: Now Rachel did you have anything published in, in those early days like smaller articles or anything at all?
2: Um, I would send them into competitions and mm-hmm. things but you often don't hear anything back so no, not actually So you did go
1: for it, you did try uh, to Yes, yeah. yeah,
2: even as a child I would send my stories into competitions mm-hmm. um, Just you don't hit, get any feedback from them though
1: It's a bit naffy, isn't yeah. it terrible What about you Sophie, now you have had some things published haven't you?
0: Yes, um, I've Written for people like Dorset Magazine, and um, and I've d- done quite a lot for Writing Magazine. I had something on um, BBC History Extra site, um, but that was that's interesting because that was about Harriet Tubman, mm-hmm. um, who was an ex-slave
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, who escaped to freedom from the South of America, um, and then spent um, uh, the next decades rescuing I can't remember I've lost count of how many people it was um an incredibly difficult an incredibly difficult journey um but she, she as, as she boasted herself she'd never had one she'd never lost one person hmm.
1: um they say that in all of us there there is a book, don't they? Because do. uh, I've even found on the radio there's lots of people who think that their lives are terribly boring and yes. whatever, and, and come on the radio. Well, what am I going to talk about for two hours? Uh, but I find that i have never had a guest dry up on me, uh, and when they start talking about what they consider to be mundane, yes. actually I find it quite interesting, quite yeah. fascinating, because I guess we don't realise that that there is this whole experience within all of us, yes. and not just in the things that we do, but the people we meet and and the, the, I guess, the situations that we encounter, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. fantastic. So so both of you... There you are. You've got great vision for doing more. You, mm. uh, so do you think it'll be long before you're public Well, you can publish yourself now, Rachel.
2: Yeah, well, we're actually working on my um, yes. novel at the moment. And that's hopefully next year we're going to be publishing yeah.
1: that. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. And was that the one that is in the bottom drawer at the moment? Yeah.
2: No, it's another one. Oh, so, another one. Uh, we did National Novel Writing Month. I don't know if you've heard of that. Where I haven't. Around the world in November, everyone tries to write, who wants to, 50,000 <laughs> yes. words in a month. Okay. And so this book came out of that. Um,
1: okay, and what, an
2: awful lot of work since. And what's so, the
1: subject matter?
2: Um it's actually grief and how we handle grief. Um, it came out of actually, we lost my mother-in-law quite um suddenly. And so it was how we different ways that we deal with grief. and so it's quite a creative way of thinking about it, um, including mirrors and reflections. and um yeah, it's. Unusual, isn't it? Yes.
1: So yes. watch this space, folks. It's, yes.
0: <laughs> yes, it's very conceptual. I'm always amazed by um, Rachel's con- concepts and the way she makes you think about things. With basically, it's fantasy. It's fantasy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. This woman is trapped behind um, in a mirror in a world of mirrors with mm-hmm. her with her with her grief, um, and yes. I'm I'm editing it at the moment, but we're still friends.
1: <laughs> and then, do, do you find that, well, Rachel, in, in this particular new project, you've they, got? Have you done a lot of research and so on?
2: Um, most of it is personal experience that you draw from of
1: your mother-in-law from, from that, and the previous year. Yeah,
2: um, and I just have a very vivid imagination, so I can. Um, I don't know if you've ever done a personality test, but empathy is my number one. Um, and I've worked a lot in pastoral care and discipleship. So I'd almost say that's research. Um, mm. Well, it is research. Because
1: you're dipping yeah. into personal experience, aren't you? Yeah. And some would say, of course, that that sometimes can be the best informative source. I think source, so. As you can yeah.
2: yeah. I've got a mug at home that says, I'm a writer. Anything you do or say may be used in a novel. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I try not to use that in pastoral so, meetings. you'll be writing about your first experience
1: on radio, though this may not be your first I don't think it is your first total first experience on radio, is it? No. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's uh, Hope Darst there and If the Lord uh, Builds the House. And just a reminder of those two books that Adrian recommended. The first one was Brighter Days by Patrick Regan. And the second, uh, The Christian Manifesto from Alistair Begg. And interesting that, that we actually had that particular Hope Dars track in, if the Lord builds the house, because it is some a track which is very important to my two guests uh, today in the building of a brand new business called Cadence. It's a publishing business, uh, which they're going to be telling you about in just a moment. But uh, so you didn't, you both didn't expect to hear that track this morning, did you?
2: No, no. no. it's very apt, um, and has been something that we've said over and over again to ourselves. This is not our business. It's not our company. It's the Lord's, it's our offering to Him, and He needs to build it.
1: Now, obviously, in building uh, Cadence, um, you two had to meet. Uh, and uh, how did that happen? Was it one of those God instances?
2: I think so. I think it was um, at the school gates. I think I overheard Sophie talking to someone about writing. And I thought, oh, I need to get to know Sophie. Um, <laughs> and I realised that she went to church as well. So I was like, oh, there's a double reason that we're both Christians and we both like writing. We need to somehow get together.
1: Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. So how did that getting together happen?
2: I think I had you over for... You did. Dinner, didn't I? Yes, yes.
0: And oh. our children fought.
2: <laughs> yeah, our children argue. they're not the same sort of age, really, are they? No. So um, <laughs> it was a little challenging. I had babies still, but yours were grown up. So yes. I think um, the mixture didn't quite work. But we thought, well, let's just meet up. Um, and we started meeting up in Starbucks, didn't we? And, yes. Um, Although there are other good coffee shops. <laughs> yeah.
1: Indeed. <laughs> uh, well, as you shared together, and uh, then... How soon did it take you to realise that actually you're both in the same wavelength?
2: Not long at all, Very really. Quickly. Very quickly. Um, and we booked ourselves on a writing, a getting published course, um, which was a day up in London, uh, which was a really good way to get to know each other. It's yes. throw you in at the deep end. Yes. It was a snowy day, I remember. Yes. And, um, you know, you've got you're running the risk of are we going to get back alive? <laughs> uh, so that added peril, I think, really built into our fra- friendship going forward. Yes.
1: <laughs> Now, obviously, um, you've got this very exciting venture. It's early days yet for for Cadence. But even the name itself, Cadence, for this uh, new business where did that come from?
2: (laughs) That's that's quite amusing. It took us a long time to come up with the name actually. And we were trying to, we're speaking with our families about, okay, we want something that shows that we're wanting to go somewhere. We're wanting to be with God. And I think Spinnaker was going to be the name for a very long time. And my husband actually just turned around one day and said, it just doesn't have the right cadence. And I was like, do you know what? That, that is, is what we're looking for, yes. cadence. And mm. so we're trying to be in step with God, in rhythm with him. And we just felt God was on that and we felt it was a so Holy Spirit your moment. husband
1: was obviously prophetic. Sean yes.
2: can take credit for that, definitely.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, what was the vision? I and mean, how did, how did the, you know, because obviously it's one thing creating... A publishing house mm. it sounds easy, doesn't roll off the tongue, but it must be a bit of a nightmare. Uh, what was the vision behind behind cadence?
2: But, um mostly that we as Christians were finding mainstream publishers weren 't interested, and even literary agents weren 't interested in our writing um, because we did have a Christian worldview, and we thought there are going to be other Christians who are in the same position, not necessarily writing overtly Christian books
1: but writing books with you, that kind of worldview. You know the term that money talks, so like today, uh, the publishers are not interested. But supposing things were to change, the atmosphere was to change, and all of a sudden that the population turned from not being interested in God to being the total opposite, do you think those same publishers would be saying no?
2: I I would hope not. I'd hope that they would be – they're always looking two years ahead, so what we need is revival, um, and then the – the literary agents and the publishing houses are going to be thinking, we need to be speaking into
1: this. Well, of course, that's very much in the Bible, isn't it? Because it is. uh, Jesus has said he is coming again. Yeah. But I I often thought, well, if he came today, I mean, quite a lot of people would, well, they just would be lost when they, when they don't yeah. know him. But he's gracious and merciful. And... Uh, The Bible is, uh, I think, is very plain about there being a a great outpouring of the Spirit. The the old men, is it, dreaming dreams and the young men's having visions and and so on. And there is undoubtedly something happening within the the atmosphere. I've noticed even in the radio station that the number of people who are, contacting us who are doing amazing work uh, all sorts of work writing songs mm. and and uh, testimonies dreams and visions prophetic things that, that has stepped up quite noticeably Yeah, uh, and I'm thinking hmm God and even your own story of course mm. is a real testimony to the amazing things that God does
2: You sort of wonder if it's going to be like Paul with the idol makers they suddenly stopped making idols because they were following Jesus yeah. so you wonder if secular culture, secular publishers, secular um, musicians are going to suddenly realise, oh, well, no one wants our work anymore. We, we need to start producing.
1: Well, the thing about God it wants. is don't, I mean, if you look at the world, I mean everything is so perfect, isn't it? That, 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 you mm-hmm. know, we're working well. I, w- I was just listening to the news but I personally find quite a lot of news hugely depressing. Mm, yes. And, yes. and I guess that, you know, the rise in mental health that we've been, I know that, that uh, COVID didn't help mm. a lot. and uh, But in some ways it did help because I guess that people realize that, that all of a sudden this social interaction and yes. so on. I mean, you were impacted by it in terms of your plans, weren't you?
2: yes definitely it made i mean i don't think cadence would have happened without covid
0: because we were looking it was looking very likely we would get published until covid and then the and i think we would have been happy to go along the traditional publishing route um and then covid meant that people stopped send um writing emails didn't they the publishing industry didn't know what was happening um and they weren't Really prepared to take on um, any well, not any, but uh, most new books. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, it wouldn't. It, um, I think this definitely came out of COVID. It was it was July twenty twenty, wasn't it? Mm. And I think frustration I remember the frustration saying to God oh we, we need a voice we need a voice to talk to, to speak to speak about to speak about you and your values
1: because mm. the- there's also that promise in the Bible that that, that the kingdom of God and the people of God will turn from being the tail to being the head uh, That, in other words that instead of being last in the queue that God will bring us to the first of the queue uh, and not only that but the priorities will change and that is a promise in scripture as well isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely So you did meet and, uh, and, and obviously the vision has, has progressed considerably uh, did you talk about where, where, where do you start as a publishing company you need an authors don't you? Mm.
0: Well, this is what changed us from people who wanted to publish to start by publishing ourselves to being a proper publishing house. (laughs) Um, um, Sue, um, Sue, who we knew was a a very good author, she'd been published before. Um, She'd been part of um, a prestigious um, mentorship program with um, Golden Egg Academy, which is a child. Run by uh, chicken house books um, and was writing this book about um, about child trafficking and i um she she basically we, we she knew about what we were doing um, and volunteered to be our guinea pig, <laughs> which was amazing um an incredible in, incredibly brave of her um, and so we for the next 2 years we learnt on we learnt our business on her um because she
1: she, she had how many books had she had published
0: uh, she'd, had, she'd had one novel published um and she'd written she'd written um two books um called um about called hometown histories they're part of her hometown histories um um about Cardiff and um South Wales which is where she's she, oh, the South Wales Valley which is where she's from and she'd also written um, a book about her a history book about her church which was, it, um, was involved in the Welsh Revival So,
1: Oh fantastic, so the, so again one of those God instances where Absolutely. you are b- Absolutely. B- b- both, can, and of course out of that has come the book that I'm now holding in my hand which is called uh, "Sold." and Adrian was just saying that he obviously had taken some copies of this in terms of marketing it, getting out there, um, has that been easy?
0: Nope, <laughs> not at all. No, Sophie's been working hard on that. Uh, yes, I tried everything. I mean, honestly, everything in the book. We tried advertising. We tried writing to uh, we tried writing to people to see if you know to influencers to see if um, nobody was interested. Um, we tried yes, um, and then um but we'd invested as you say we'd invested all our spare money in this we'd invested all our time all our time in this and it was incredibly demoralizing because we'd really felt that god told us to do this mm-hmm. um and then i had a moment at church um where i just said to god look i'm just going to i just have to let this go and just give it this to you as a gift um this is if it comes to nothing then it's just to just to worship you we've 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 produced something that you know as beautiful as you know <laughs> as as we've done it to the best of our abilities and anyway that thursday <laughs> 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 i had i had a strange email from a a judge of a competition um saying um could you send us a copy? And I was going, and and I I looked up this competition. It was really quite an impressive one. And and I thought, how on earth, if she's real, how on earth has she heard about it? Because for her to have heard about it, somebody would have had to read our book. And no one, it feels like no one has read it book.
1: If she wanted to have a copy, then obviously... Yes,
0: yeah. Well, I then thought, well, there's one... We've got one review that we know we're getting from the school librarian, which is the School Libraries Association magazine. And I'll see if that's come out. And I so i trawled through Facebook to see, like, if they denounced it to come out yet. And I saw a graphic that looked like something we would have made. But actually it said... This uh, said, editor's pick. This is the most compelling young adult title I've read it in <laughs> read in a long time. Share this with every per- young person you know. Which was like more enthusiasm than we'd had even from our own families. It was <laughs> like, and um, so and on the back of that, we also we then had the Guardian um, write a review about us as well. So, um, so uh, so yes, marketing has been very difficult but we've learned that when god does something it's much better than the results
2: when we're we're just purely on our
0: own
1: he has his own way of marketing he has his own (laughs) way of marketing (laughs) absolutely so so how has the book been selling
2: it hasn't sold masses no but that's fine we're just trusting god not yet but like we said in that song if the lord builds a house you know we need him to do it and Uh, it'll be in his time
1: Well, that's the amazing uh, Charity Gale there and I Speak Jesus. It's a piece of music actually which is played a lot here on the radio station and I'm not surprised actually because it's Jesus from beginning to end and, you know, I guess that if if, if you really knew what... He was really like you would run into his arms you wouldn't hesitate you know we're, we're all in the school of learning and so on anyway i'm delighted that my next guest is the first author of cadence her name is sue barrow so good morning to you sue
3: good morning blair thank you for having me
1: on it's a pleasure well i obviously uh, you've been a great encouragement to both uh, rachel um, and, and um sophie and you but before obviously you met, you had already been a published author did did you find it very difficult in getting your first articles indeed your first novel published
3: uh, Yes, I did it was some some years ago um, i um, I had an idea for writing about um a girl who'd been adopted and didn 't feel comfortable in her um, in her adoptive family. And uh, I uh, started writing the story and um, over many years uh, sort of pushing doors and eventually managed to find um, a publisher in, in Wales, quite a small, small publication. Uh, but uh, they, they, they liked my book after uh, <laughs> I could tell you a long story, but I won't bore you with the details. But um, eventually uh, I, had a, I had an encouraging letter to say they wanted to publish my, my story and um, it went from there. So uh, that was an encouragement to me uh, to think that you know maybe I could find um, you know some more stories to write and, uh, and and really the the well I'll leave you to ask me about the next book but that was really the story of, of writing keeping secrets so um, yes it was uh, it, it was a, a book that was very much on my heart at the time and um, I was I was very happy to to get it published and I also then wrote some local history books so something completely different. Um, non-fiction books about the area where I live in Cardiff and in the Welsh valleys, and they've been uh, very much used in schools to educate um, children in uh, Key Stage Two junior schools uh, about the areas that um, that are all around them. And uh, so that's again, that was a, a really great opportunity for me to um, to, to to get published.
1: Now, before we talk uh, about your, your new book, Sold, uh, let's talk about a little bit about your faith, because huh? you're a woman of faith yourself. Uh, how, did yes. your, how did your faith journey begin? How, how did you become a Christian?
3: Um, well, I, I grew up in a family uh, that went to church every, every Sunday, and my dad was a church organist. Um, and then uh, in, in his teens, my brother, who's a couple of years younger than me, um, came to faith through uh, a local evangelist. And uh, I was very struck by the changes I could see in him, but it really wasn't for me at the time. I was too busy uh, dating my, my boyfriend and, um, you know, having, having a good time with my friends. But um, round about the time that we, we got married, uh, I think I, I just began to uh, think about, about life and um, about life, what life really meant. And um, I really started on a journey of, of reading lots of books about faith, at that time and uh, we we got married and I still felt this sort of gap inside me that um, even being married to the, you know, the boy I'd been in love with all these years was uh, just, just wasn't enough. And um, to cut a long story short, I started to go to the church, which my my brother had gone to, a local church in the the village where I live. And I had a lovely welcome and I heard the gospel preached in, in all its fullness. And uh, shortly after that, I I went to um, a mission event at the university with some friends who were kind enough to invite me. And um, I prayed, I was prayed with that night and and gave my life to Christ in that way.
1: Now, one of the things that that Rachel and Sophie were sharing with me was how difficult it is uh, to get published. Uh, Clearly, your books and what you've been writing are not so much in christian in your face you've been writing about social justice in your new book obviously is about child traffic and slavery uh, uh, yes. and so on but but did you have the same problem that would you say that that publishers when they find out that that even from a christian world worldview something maybe not in, entirely in your face but you know because an author is a christian that that actually that's something that they resist did you find that
3: uh, no, I didn't. I mean, I'm, I must say, I didn't set out to write a, a Christian book, um, but I did want to give my main character um, a faith. Uh, and so I, I did give her a sort of a, you know, a, a Christian outlook on life um, and hinted at the fact that she had gone to, um, you know, gone to church, to a lively church in her, in her village in, in Albania. Um, and I mean, there are some great works going on in Albania, I know, through through friends. So, I think what I did was just slip little <clears throat> references every so often in the in the story to to her faith uh, and also questioning you know how, you know how is it that i've you know god is, is is allowing me to go through this because it was a very hard journey obviously for her um, but i didn 't come across any um, resistance to those particular lines in my in my story um, uh, I mean, I went through a, a really excellent course with a, um, an organization called the Golden Egg Academy, and that really sort of transformed the way I thought about writing my story. And I know I improved it a lot through their help. Um, and I think they, they they knew I was a Christian because I did talk about my faith in the groups. But um, as I say, it wasn't an overtly Christian book. Um, I, I mean, I think I would have been looking for a different, you know, a different publisher than in you know for for that. But uh, so, no, I can't say that that's
1: been, been my experience. Oh, well, well, that's good. But obviously, some of the articles that you you, you wrote about in terms of, of, of Wales uh, were touching on the, the wonderful Welsh revival and so on. And I, I guess that those same chapels that were empty way, way back at the beginning of the Welsh revival, sadly, are pretty much empty again, aren't they? Uh, and you were saying that a lot of yeah. these articles were for children and young people in schools. How have those articles been received?
3: Um sorry, when you say articles do you mean the the books that i wrote yes because, yes yes yeah. Yes. no uh really well, yes, they've been really well received i mean, as I say again that they're not um they're not overtly christian books um but obviously talking about um the uh, the the welsh revival did, did did come into the books, but really as a as, as more of a sort of a, a mention and and a cultural um context, i think for people so i mean out of the uh, you know out of the, the revival and um, the earlier works of, of, of Christians working in education, um, you know the education act came about which which meant that children you know had to go to school whereas lots of them of course were working down the mines you know at the end of the the nineteenth century and so on so you know i think i I think I would always want to set my my stories in in a context where you know where there is uh, you know where there there, there is there is faith, but it's not necessarily something that, that comes to the fore um, in my stories. But, but it is it is there. And um, uh, particularly with, with my book, Sold, uh, as I say, I wanted to give my main character that faith. And, and at the end, you know, I, I, I've, I've actually written that she, she really wouldn't want to carry the bitterness of what she'd been through with her into adult life. Because she can see that bitterness only eats you up and that she hopes one day she could forgive her you know, forgive her perpetrators. So that, that's that's really, I think, how I try to weave my faith into into my stories.
1: Now, before we talk about your, your new book, Sold, mm-hmm. uh, a bit more, That uh, tell us a wee bit about Cadence, because as you know that Sophie and Rachel are on a very exciting journey. They're at the beginning. Yes. They're, they're not experienced yes. publishers. What was it that attracted you to want to become their first author?
3: Uh, well i don 't know as I say because sadly i haven 't been able to listen to the first hour, but um, Sophie and I were, were good friends um, in our in my local church now. Sophie moved away about um, 10, ten years or so ago. Um, but um, we became friends through a common love of of, of writing, and uh, it was quite remarkable actually. I think God really brought us together because um, I had just had my first book called Keeping Secrets um, published, and uh, when I went to meet her i I, I gave her a copy and um, And as I say, we we talked and we formed a little writing group in Ravina, our village, where uh, a number of friends from church and other Christians came along and we would share our stories and our journeys, you know, towards hopefully getting published. Um, And then Sophie and I kept in touch. She knew I was writing this book about child trafficking, and every so often we would just have a bit of a catch-up on email. We didn't see each other. but um, uh, And then out of the blue then about... Two years or so ago uh, i I had received a a lovely message from her, just saying that she and Rachel were starting up cadence and uh, and wondering whether my book was was still available or had I had it published or given up on it or what so I was still plodding along <laughs> um, hoping to to find a publisher, so this was wonderful news for me because. Uh, I realised that um uh, I I would I would actually see, see my book in you know in print. And um I was very excited to hear from Rachel and, and Sophie about what their their plans and their hopes were really and how God had led them to um to start their own publishing house. And it, it all went from there really. Um so yes it was a, a very exciting moment for me and knowing what their um, their ethos was obviously and what their hopes were for, for Cadence. Um, I was really, very um, excited to be to be brought on board.
1: Well, I'm holding your your book in my hand at the moment. It's called Soul." Obviously, as you've already said, it's about it's about child trafficking. Of all of the subjects, uh, Sue, that you could have chosen to write about, why this one?
3: Well, um, again, it's a bit of a story, Blair, and I'll be as brief as I can. Um, but about oh twenty years or so ago, <clears throat> I remember being at a, a church weekend. With um, with our children who were quite young then, and I was asked if I could just um, take a, a session with some of the older older children, you know, sort of 12, 13 year olds. And um, John, my husband and I have been um, uh, supporters of Tearfund for uh, probably about 50 years, and, uh, it, and Tier Fund started to talk about something called child trafficking, and I, you know, I was intrigued to really find out what this was what this was about, and was horrified, obviously, by what I read about the idea of, of children sometimes selling their children into trafficking simply as a way to you know, to, to, to get some money uh, for their families and not realizing the danger that they were putting their children in. And this subject just really <clears throat> got into my head and I couldn't, I couldn't really stop thinking about it and wondering how many people knew about this. And I would talk to my own children who were by then teenagers and they had no idea. And I thought, well, somebody's got to write a book about this. Um, And I just really felt that writing a a nonfiction book could be a bit heavy, a little bit heavy-handed, a bit preachy, you know. And I thought, well, what if I wrote a a novel about it, about a girl who finds herself in this awful situation of of being trafficked, you know, accidentally, as it were, um, and uh, and make it an exciting adventure, you know, a page-turner. And if children, teenagers read a book like this, would they you know, think, oh, my, you know, my goodness, I couldn't realize that there are people of my age that this is happening to. And hopefully, you know, that some of them would actually decide they'd want to do something about it, but at least that they would be informed about trafficking. And so that was how I started. So I think it was in 2008. Um, uh, I I just started putting some ideas together and I actually very quickly came across an article in the newspaper about a Nigerian couple, a professional couple living in the UK who had arranged through their extended family in Nigeria to traffic uh, a young girl to their home in London and to use her as an unpaid um, domestic slave. So basically uh, caring, cleaning, cooking for the family with no pay and uh, and finally she had managed to, to get away and uh, this couple were being prosecuted and they were they were sent to prison and this was the article really that got me got me going because it, it proved to me that these things were happening uh i you know i read the article about it i was horrified um, but i thought no this is something that i can kind of hang my hang my story on and obviously i changed the details considerably as as i was writing the book but that was the that was the hook for me really to to write this
1: story. Now, of course, obviously, you're writing about something, the subject, of course, of that film that I talked to you about, which is sweeping the world at the moment, The Sound of Freedom. When I went along and saw the film myself, I was shocked to, to really understand that, that slavery, human slavery today, and in particular child slavery, is actually much more prevalent than it was in the days of William Wilberforce yes, all, all those years ago. Yes. Uh, yes. I, so, but you you talked about your page, your your book being a page turner, um, yeah. Without giving the plot away too much, um,
3: <laughs>
1: give us a little bit of a taster as as, as to why people should go on, and buy this. And and I can assure you, this it's a story that you'll find hard to put down. Mm,
3: um, well, uh, I, I I guess it's 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 really knowing a little bit about the craft of story writing. Uh, as uh, as Sophie and Rachel will tell you, you know, it's not easy um, to uh, inspire people, as you say, to to, to keep turning the pages and and want to get to the end. But I I think in itself, the idea of child trafficking is is pretty abhorrent to most people. Um, And I think if you can create a story where your main character is constantly in, in danger, is constantly at risk, then that that is that is the key to it really. So you need to have a number of different things, different things that are happening to your 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 main character. My main character is called Rosa, and uh, she enters this home full of hope and expectation. These are members of her extended family, so she's been promised, uh, you know, a university education ultimately, you know, much better education than she would be getting in an impoverished country like 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 Albania. And so, um, but straight away she comes in and she realizes something is wrong. And so that's the kind of the, what we call the inciting incident. You know, her aunt is absolutely horrible to her, her cousin, sorry. She's not her aunt. Um, And, you know, this is so unexpected. And so, and things just get worse. And so I, you know, I I just built up a series of, of events that happened to Rosa that make her realise that things are not at all as she was expecting them to be, and it's keeping up that tension really. By you know, you have highs and lows in stories. Blair, if you read novels, I'm sure you know what I mean. You know, some, sometimes something nice will happen to your main character, but then very quickly it's followed by um, some 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 obstacle getting in their way really of 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 their happiness or whatever objective it is they they are trying to um, trying to reach. So. So I guess that was that was my challenge, really, was to keep um, thinking of, of fresh things, horrible things. I mean, it, it was a really quite distressing story to write in many ways because um, uh, because Rosa is subject to physical abuse as well as mental abuse. And to write that kind of thing is, is you know, makes you recoil, really. Um, but I, I guess that was how I how I approached it. And uh, with encouragement, as I say, from the editor I was working with initially, this was before I connected up with, with Sophie, um, you know, they would generally keep, keep saying, yes, pile on the pressure. You know, you need to have horrible things happening to this girl. Um, but then you also need to have a bit of a lull in the middle, it, um, you know, where, where the, the main character has actually has some better things happening to her. So again, without wishing to give too much away. She does manage to um, get out of the house where she's being held a prisoner and she manages to form some nice relationships with other people who she doesn't tell her story to because she's so ashamed of it and she feels she's she's really got to try and sort this all out on her own. But she does actually have some lovely relationships with people who are kind to her. But of course, at the end of the day, she's always going back to this awful, threatening situation of... um, Uh, of living in this family where she is unwelcome and treated uh, appallingly.
1: Well, that's uh, no longer a slave. Very, very important. And of course, the new book, uh, which Cadence, are marketing, and which Sue wrote is called Sold. Folks, if you really want to get behind uh, both... uh, well, if I, all of the three ladies, you know, and uh, then go out and buy this book. It, it, it's not just a, an ordinary novel. It's a novel about something which is happening, terribly happening in our, in our world, where children, uh, many, many thousands of children are being sold into slavery and people are profiting uh, off them. Uh, this, this is a book. Uh, which I think will hold you and will rivet you and of course with Christmas coming up it's a good opportunity to buy early uh, and help establish the kingdom of God where we help one another mm-hmm. the book is called Sold it's published by Cadence and before the end of the programme today we'll tell you how you can get a hold on it. now Sue didn't, she forgot to mention didn't she something that you did in Wales uh, which you're going to tell me about uh, now aren't you?
2: Yes, we had um, an incredible opportunity. We were trying to find a way to launch Mm. Sue's book and we wanted somewhere good to do it. We thought maybe somewhere like a library or somewhere like that, modest. And then we approached um, the Museum of Wales, which is in Cardiff. Not really thinking we'd hear back, but no, they were very keen and they have a night where they have the community coming in and they offered us one of these evenings. So in very grand surroundings, we were able to launch Sue's book. Um, Sue actually managed to give a talk and uh, we sold, that's where we've sold probably the most books that we've sold. We had people coming to support Sue, but we also had people who were just visiting the museum and interested in the anti-trafficking message um, come along as well, so it's still stocked actually in the museum of wales bookshop
1: so so again another one of those god instances Absolutely. where you were surprisingly s- set up by god weren't you <laughs> fantastic so uh, i mean when you first read the book you know uh, because obviously you read it no doubt before <laughs> yeah uh, what what was it that that attracted you to want to publish it
2: i've always been very interested in anti trafficking um I have a friend who works worked in it um, and I also have been very involved with A21, um, Christine Kane's ministry, uh, the Walk for Freedom and all of that. So for me, reading something that I knew was going to raise awareness, it made it a no-brainer really that we should publish this um, and it is a page turner and I knew for young people to get involved we need people knowing about it at a young age.
1: Yeah, because the, the, the subject of the book, Rosa, uh, is, is she herself is, is quite young, she's only 15, yes, isn't she?
2: Yes, yes. Yeah. So hopefully that helps the younger reader to empathise and yeah. relate uh, because she has the same sort of struggles mm-hmm. that young people today have.
1: Did you uh, anybody who has read the book? Uh, did you get any reaction? I have no idea that that was happening. You know, in yes. our, in our current society, yes. because I must say that when I saw the statistics, I was really shocked. Yeah. I, I thought, "You oh, know, really, it's not possible, but it is possible, definitely, uh, and even in our own country."
2: Absolutely, it's it's very possible and it's happening, and we just don't see it. It's very behind closed yeah. doors, and that's why this book's so important yes. is it's bringing it into the light. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think we've actually met, chatted with A21, and we're hoping that there might be some way we can help them as well to bring bring more awareness.
1: Now, of course, you have put your money where your faith is, and uh, you know, it's been no cheap cheap venture, has it? No. <laughs> and uh, your husband, thousands
0: rather than hundreds.
1: Were your husband's in total agreement? Um, um, uh, I
0: now I now introduce my husband at um, networking events as a patron of the arts because <laughs> <laughs> he's supported me uh, and he's not whinged too much <laughs> about yeah. me taking all my time and quite a lot of money to do this.
1: Now, obviously, this is the beginning of what of what no doubt will be a, a, a continuing exciting adventure. That you've got your next book, your book, Rachel, which is lined up yeah. to be the next book published. What, what's what's the subject of that?
2: It's called Reflections, mm-hmm. um, and it's about grief and how we cope with it.
1: And again, a subject which touches us all, and yes. people grieve in so many, many different ways, don't they?
2: They do, yes. And
1: so, and that's going to be a novel as well, is it? Yes. So it'll be telling somebody's story.
2: Yes, yeah. yeah
1: fantastic. And uh, Now, we want you to go out and to buy this book. Uh, the book is called Sold. You'll be blessed by the book, and it's the sort of book that, particularly if you have some friends who are not quite there yet in the Christian faith, it might be something that you could give them as a gift. Uh, it's it's published by Cadence. You can go down to Keith Jones Bookshop and you can get it there or you can uh, go to the Cadence website, which is
2: www.cadencepublishing.com
1: And on there, you'll find a link uh, because pr- pretty much any bookshop will be able to get you this. Obviously, you go down to Keith Jones and so on and ever. You're supporting them uh, and so on. But you can get it in all the normal platforms as well. It's it's sold. And of course, its author is Sue Barrow and his publisher is Cadence. Thank you both for being uh, uh, super guests uh, uh, today and now you can add uh, radio to your, uh, to your experiences although of course both of you have been uh, done a little bit of radio before haven't you?
0: Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Stuart Anderson had me on his programme. In, yes.
1: Indeed, so we'll have to get you back on again and then you can tell us about uh, how the book has been going yeah. and so on. Have you got any events or anything lined up you know, in terms um, of your no, plans not at the
2: moment, we don't have anything in the diary. So,
1: so you need further inspiration from the Lord. Yes, yes. and uh, and maybe if those of you who are listening to this program, I mean, I know that Sue is willing to come and speak and so on, mm. and that includes schools. As some of you have got, uh, I guess you're all at school now. But if you're listening to this program on Sunday or on our listen back service, uh, then then you know you can invite uh, Sue to come and and speak. And no doubt, uh, I guess that if you're wanting good speakers to come to your church and whatever and tell the wonderful cadence story Then rachel and and sophie would love to come wouldn't you yes absolutely
0: this is hope fm